Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to episode 128 of Geek Town Radio. We're back this week and we have a new co-host. It's a guy called Chris. We've had a Chris on before actually, but you're, so you're the second Chris we've had. Do you want to yeah. just introduce yourself and uh, and explain a bit about who you are? Hi, I'm Chris. I'm 18 and you probably tell I'm from the UK and everything, like probably a lot of co-hosts <laughs> are. But um, yeah, I'm a student who's going to go to university in a bit and I've always been kind of interested in entertainment, so I thought I'd give this podcast a try. <laughs> Yeah, well, you're very welcome to be on. Some of you might recognise his voice if you've listened to either the Reviewing Westeroff podcast or the uh, Walking Dead podcast that we do with uh, with Matt for uh, Entertainment Talk because you've been on a number of, of his shows as well. So, yes, I have. So, uh, so yeah. Well, it's it's good to have you on. As we we start off, usually as we always do, with a bit of sort of general chat about uh, what have you been up to the last few weeks. Been watching quite a few seasons of TV series at the moment. Yeah, um, I've just got through Defenders, the, uh, the very first season, oh, cool. and I'm pleasantly surprised with how well it went. <laughs> um, a lot of people were criticising like how how it played out with like only episodes, but um, I thought it worked really well in that format and it did everything needed to do i think there might be a second season coming up for that if so then um, then i'm very much interested in seeing it but um, it was good to see um all of the kind of four heroes that we've seen from the different tv series kind of come together in a way that works yeah i, I also th- yeah i was gonna sorry. say i think after uh after Iron Fist, which got fairly negative reviews, yeah. I, it was nice to see that they managed to pull it together and make it work for that. So, you know, that's I good. Think, yeah, I think they did the character of Iron Fist justice in this um, after yeah. the kind of, the, maybe the questionable writing and the... Uh, yeah, in the ten episodes. No, was it a thirteen episode series he had. Uh, yeah, thirteen uh, episodes. I think it was. Yeah, it was. It was more the direction that bothered me. I think than. I mean, the writing wasn't too, wasn't that good either. But the yeah, it it was definitely the weakest of the first ones. But I'm glad they've managed to seem to sort it out for defenders. That gives me hope moving forward. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, I've also been watching a bit of Rick and Morty recently. Yes. Um, I'm all caught up now. Um, it took me a while to catch up, but I've finally watched. Uh, the first two seasons and I'm all caught up for season three so far yeah and I'm enjoying it uh, I mean it's quite a unique TV series <laughs> yeah. because at times it seems pretty like basic and random but then if you like you can delve into it as much as you want and try and pick pick apart the certain clues in the episodes and yeah about the direction of where it's going if you're a real kind of mega fan of it yeah I'm, I'm happy with 
about season three. I find, I'm finding hilarious at the moment, to yeah. be honest. I, I, all I, the was, episodes. I was like you. I came to it very, very late. Matt was going on about it so much that I kind of sat down and finally watched it. And it took me a little while to get into it, but I'm a complete convert now. I'm So I'm in the, exactly the same position. I've only really just caught up with season three. But uh, Jeff, absolutely loving it. It's hilarious and uh, so well written. Yeah, so it's just the jokes that sometimes just catch you off guard. Yeah. Um, and it's not like you're kind of standard kind of comedy. It's just so random to the point where you don't, you kind yeah. of just go along with it and believe it. Yeah. Just for the sake of having a laugh. Yeah. So it's brilliant. I love that. I've also, you know, caught up on Game of Thrones, which you've all talked about. Yes. Um, like I binge watched the first seven seasons in a couple of months because I everyone's talking about it and like I have to get involved with this. Yeah. So I, I finally got caught up and I'm a huge fan now. Yeah, uh, I mean it's it's definitely it's worth the hype, um, yeah. and I'm happy with how season seven ended. We yeah. did a podcast on that on a entertainment yes, we, talk. If you want to go plug that, yeah, we did. Um, yeah, there's there's a reviewing Westeros podcast over on Entertainment Talk. If you if you want to go and listen to us chat at length about uh, that that yeah. uh, final show, but yeah, it was brilliant. The uh, finale, I thought they did such a good job. The the episode before there was little things that niggled me, but generally yeah. I think this has been a very strong season so you know i'm i'm looking forward to seeing where they go with it yeah I, i'm happy with how it went considering it had less episodes to deal with yeah um i think that's due probably possibly due to budgeting issues or whatever because they're already saving up for the final kind of season yeah to show everything they can without limit yeah but it worked in a seven episode format and i'm satisfied with how it went yeah i've also just watched the first season of anarchos I mean, I haven't quite got to the second season yet. Yeah. I'm enjoying it. It's a real kind of thriller series. I like those kind of TV series that focus on someone who's like morally bad or, or yeah. kind of messed up and make them, you know, make you root for them. And that's yeah. why I like Breaking Bad so much because yeah. it did exactly that. Narcos is and a great, great show. It's really good. I'm going to start season two as uh, soon as possible. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, um, I have heard a few things from it and I've seen the trailers and everything. And yeah. they've got season three coming out, so I've really got to get down on that one. Yeah. And I've, I've been watching a few films this summer. I, I usually don't watch too many films in the cinemas. I'll wait for them to come on DVD. Yeah, I'm like but, that. Um, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I've watched um, some pretty decent films and some kind of average films this summer. <laughs> Mainly the decent films being uh, Dunkirk. That's one I yes. watched recently. Yes, I've and not caught that yet. Not, oh, it's, um, it's brilliant. Mm. Just from beginning to end it's kind of just you, you get like thrown into the environment that you'd be within a war zone and it's like there's hardly any dialogue in the entire film really it's because i guess it's because in the war you wouldn't have much time to kind of talk about things you no. just be in the moment yeah so it's, it treats it just like that and you like you don't get to know the characters names or anything it's just rather straightforward and, and it but it still really works well um with all the different stories that are going on and the kind of cinematography that happens. Yeah. So I, I really recommend that film to anyone. Yeah. And also one that surprised me in the summer was Baby Driver, directed by Edgar Wright. Oh, yes. Yeah. I know um, I know Edgar Wright is a really good director from, um, you know, Hot Fuzz, Shaun of yeah. the Dead, everything like that. But he kind of blew me away with this film because the, the story behind it is in some ways quite simple, but it, otherwise it's really compelling. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, David. Have you? No, I haven't. I haven't. I like it. Like I say, I'm, I'm terrible at actually getting out to go to the cinema. But this is one that I do want to see. It's definitely something I will catch when it comes out on uh, on disc or streaming or whatever. So I was a huge Edgar Wright fan. So uh, yeah, I, it looks really good. There's something about the fact that they they the music in this and it's sort of all timed up with the mm. music, isn't it? I seem to remember. Yeah. That's one of the main things that kind of hooked me into the film. First, I was a bit kind of like, eh, I'm not sure I'm going to like this. But yeah. as it went on, the it, they really the music didn't become corny or anything. It, the soundtrack really worked well and yeah. complemented the kind of direction of the film. Yeah. Um, it is, uh, there's a huge um, theme of music in this film. And um, like, you know, in other films that use music, like Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. and sometimes it can become a little bit like over the top or maybe a bit kind of um, overused. Yeah. And I don't feel like this film does that. It also, you know, pays homage to a lot of older tracks, like from the 70s and 80s. Yeah. And uses them well to ex- explore certain characters in the film. Yeah. And the bond that they have, while also just being a very good modern film with a lot, you know, like car chases and stuff like that, which yeah. is the main kind of hook for the film. Yeah. So definitely recommend you go see that one. Cool. Um, obviously, one that was released in the early summer was Amazing Spider Man. <laughs> Amazing Spider Man? Yes. <laughs> Spider Man Homecoming. Yeah. yeah. I've had to say Amazing Spider Man 3. Um, no, that's not right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Spider Man Homecoming. Um, yeah. Very good film. I, I think it's it's been a few months, so you probably don't want me to discuss it that much. Yeah. But yeah. So that's mainly what I've been watching. Uh, cool. How about you, David? Well, um, Narcos, as you mentioned there, season three just come out on, on Netflix. So that's been my sort of main binging thing recently. It's interesting because, I, I mean, I know you haven't seen season two, but I mean, obviously, you know, it's the story of Pablo Escobar. And Pablo Escobar yeah. does die at the end of season two. I mean, that's not really a spoiler. It's historical. So, um, you know, they do catch Pablo escobar eventually so season three is kind of continuing without him so you talked a bit with matt last week about how the show works without escobar because if you're finding with season one he's such a big part of that story Mm. um and it's actually i mean it, it works surprisingly well where they move it forward which is is them chasing the cali cartel which i i think the cali cartel first show up in season two i think um yeah. they're chasing down now the cali cartel f- for the uh the third season which has got four kind of main bosses and it's them going after that it's a 10 episode season it actually holds up incredibly well the writing's really good it's as strong i think as the previous seasons so uh, thoroughly recommend you carry on watching it because I, I was a bit worried when they said they were going to continue it after Escobar but mm. but they seem to have managed to hold it together really well so I've I've been really enjoying it well yeah with um, t- a lot of TV series after the third season and it's really kind of explored a lot of the kind of main themes that it started out with yeah um, it can become quite like a bit dire sometimes and not yeah. as good as it was in the first couple of seasons yeah so that's refreshing to hear the narcos is still holding up well I, and i think the writers are doing a great job yeah it's one of those things that because you know obviously they created the series around pablo escobar for the for the first two seasons and you kind of thought well maybe maybe this might not work but they've done a brilliant job it's carried on and you know we're you're into the kind of clinton era so it's what early 90s i think they're into now um and, and uh really works well 
So so uh, that's been my main kind of thing. There have been a few other shows. Strike Cuckoo's Calling, which is the BBC adaptation of the J.K. Rowling, uh, Robert Gilbreth novel that uh, they've been doing on BBC One. I, I sort of watched the first couple of episodes last week because they went out, I think, Saturday and Sunday last week. And I was saying when we did the show that, it, you know, it's, it's perfectly fine. It's a solid kind of drama. What I think it does the only thing you can really ask of this sort of BBC drama, which is it keeps you guessing right up until the end. I didn't quite figure out the who done it bit until very very late on. So mm. uh, you know, and I think when it comes to those sort of detective dramas, that's one of the main things you can ask for with a show like that. And uh, it's well acted, it's well written. The characters are very likable. The actual the, there's three books that she's written so far, and the second book they're actually continuing directly onto. The the second book next week as well next sunday so uh, i don't know whether they're going to do the third book straight after that or whether they're going to hold that back for a bit but yeah the second book starts straight away so um that's worth going to watch if you missed it it's up on the iplayer and uh I, then i've been going back and catching up through some shows which i'd abandoned earlier in the year because i had too much other things going on so i've been catching up on billions which I'm about three quarters of the way through now, which is a great show. Uh, the Damien Lewis thing about him being a kind of hedge fund manager. Really, really good. Solid drama, solid acting, highly recommended. And Fortitude, which uh, was its second season, which I had a few episodes left of that to finish. So I'd gone back to finish that. As with the first season, gets progressively more weird as you kind of go into it. I don't know whether that's a show you ever caught, but it's set in this kind of snowy town in the middle of, you know, or mm. the Arctic somewhere or Antarctic somewhere. And it gets progressively odder and odder as you go through. But uh, enjoyable. I, you know, and I, I'm not sure whether it's coming back for a third season yet. They haven't actually said, okay. but uh, good, solid drama as well there. And the other big thing that I um, went to to watch this week was the first two episodes of Marvels and Humans, which has had a cinematic mm. release. Uh, it's out on IMAX. So that, how's that? Um, how's that doing? Because um, I, I haven't seen it yet. Right. Well, it's. I mean, it's not particularly cinematic, but it is a mm. TV show. So, you know, I don't think you can kind of fault it for that. They they just did this deal with IMAX to shoot it in uh, IMAX cameras for the first two episodes so they could create this kind of feature release for it. Mm -hmm. um, I would say it's it, it's got potential, I think. Mm -hmm. It's kind of missing some humour. It's not got the kind of likeable characters as much as something like yeah. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, it's in that kind of that area. It's not dark like the you know the uh, Marvel Netflix shows. Mm. It's it's certainly more in the area of something like Agents of Shield, but it's not quite as as well written at the moment. Yeah, well, I I think um, it just had to kind of find its foot a bit. Mm. I mean, I'm not sure if it's gonna if it's not if it's gonna get like a second season or where those characters are gonna go. But from what I've scene of the trailers and stuff it doesn't look like the best thing that marvel has produced on tv um by any means i mean i think obviously agents of shield is like an underrated marvel yeah. series at the moment and it's doing really well so i thought maybe the inhumans would be something that would kind of shock people who are kind of a bit like uh, annoyed about how they presented in the first trailer because yeah. a lot of people were the backlash of the kind of the costumes and the characters and everything but i'm just kind of questioning why marvel would put so much money into imax when it's um into in, like for this tv tv series yeah 
I don't know whether I, I don't know whether it, it's maybe the opposite way around. Maybe IMAX put money into humans to get Inhumans into IMAX. It be yeah because it's an exclusive for them. So yeah. I, I suspect it's the other way around. I suspect Mar- IMAX went to Marvel and said, "How about you shoot the first ep- two episodes with our cameras, and we'll exclusively air it." Yeah, but at the same time, I I, I just don't know for the series like where it's going and like yeah. what kind of bigger impact it has in the universe. Um, yeah. um, it just seems very kind of odd, oddly placed at the moment to yeah. be aired like right now. I'm not. I'm, I maybe need to see it to really understand it, but. Yeah, I mean, at the, this point in time, I don't really know. The big, the big issue, really, with it at the moment, particularly over here, is the fact that you've got it launching on IMAX all over the UK, but it still doesn't have a UK transmission date or channel. So, so that's kind of mm. a really big miss for for anybody wanted to pick it up because you've got this huge kind of launch thing you know launch platform yeah. for it, and they've you know it's not been announced on a UK channel anywhere. So. I, I don't know. I mean, hopefully it will get picked up, but mm. yeah, I would like to see more of it. I think the storyline was interesting enough. I mean, it's you mm-hmm. know, the, the the basic premise of the Inhumans are on a base set on the moon, which is sort of shrouded under this kind of cloaking thing and they've you've got two brothers which are are uh, which are basically fighting over the way that that the place should run and one's the king and then you've got his brother which is uh, played by Yuan Rion mm-hmm. and uh, he's playing a suitably kind of evil character and ends up kind of setting up a revolt against Black Bolt his brother so I mean that that's the sort of basic premise for it but I mean on those first two episodes you don't really get to see a much uh, anything past that so i'm sort of interested to see where it goes from there on but um yeah i mean it's it's okay i i, I wouldn't mm. go jumping and screaming about it uh, you know and saying it's the best thing ever but you know it was fine uh i but it's obviously part of a longer series so i want to see more of it to to be able to judge it properly i think yeah i mean it was quite interesting to see how the humans have kind of been produced because they were originally going to be in a film yeah um but then i think it I think it's because um what Agents of Shield did with the Inhumans and that they've kind of incorporated it into kind of Marvel TV. Yeah. Uh, yeah, again, I, I will need to watch it to really have a good judgment of it, but at the moment it just seems like there's really kind of odd point in the universe where yeah. I can't with, I'm not sure if it'll connect to anything or mean anything yeah. in the bigger picture. Yeah, I mean they they are talking about potentially doing crossovers with Agents of Shield with it because it is they are both on ABC in America, so that is you know possible to happen and it is definitely part of the MCU. I mean, yeah. They, they are they, they do make reference to certain things that have happened so it is okay. it is definitely within it but i don't know it, it it is difficult to get a handle on from just seeing those first two episodes so you know cautiously optimistic that it yeah. might be good but i i want to see a bit more of it because i love i love the cast particularly anderson mount i think he's great as black bolt yeah. uh ewan rion is fabulous in everything and suitably an, an evil character in uh this yes, like he, he was is. in games of Fro- <laughs> game of thrones so you know um I mean, he's not as evil in this, obviously, but I think that's that's quite a high benchmark to top in terms of sort of evilness. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I so. don't doubt the um, the cast that are in it. I I just doubt the kind of direction that is going. Yeah, it just does. It seems like I said before, it just it just seems like a very odd thing to, for them to do right now. Yeah. But, um. Yeah. I mean, it could work into something bigger. Maybe it'll maybe it'll come into a film like in the future or something like that. Maybe. 
But um, a lot from what we've seen in Marvel TV, a lot of the characters in there don't really make it further than that. They they've never broken into the films. Yeah. Um, you got, you're taking huge characters like the Inhumans from the comics. Yeah. And you feel, I feel like putting them in a TV series maybe won't do them justice. But I don't know. It's yeah. good, we're going to have to see. I mean, that is the interesting thing because I mean, you know, Black Bolt in particular is a very powerful character exactly and, and it, it is it is odd to have him on tv rather than in a movie you know I, I think that that does feel a bit strange but we'll see we'll see where it goes yeah so that's all the stuff we'd be doing for this week let's move on to some tv and film news so we kick off the tv and film news this week with the air date updates we start off with one from uh, amazon they've they've announced a, a date for their what they're referring to as a hybrid horror anthology series Whoa. <laughs> called Law uh, starts on Friday the 13th of October on uh, Prime Video. Mm-hmm. It's based off the back of a, uh, a podcast, actually, which is about these sort of myths, modern day myths and legends. So they're kind of spooky tales and... Okay. Uh, pop culture and horror myths and things like vampires and changelings and werewolves and seances and possessed dolls and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, there is a podcast which is also called Law, which is is about that. And uh, this is a six-episode anthology series where they're sort of taking the ideas of these tales. I think they're doing certain sort of reenactments and, and stuff. Oh, wow. Um, it, it's quite difficult to get exactly a handle on what it's going to look like because they're saying it's, it's, a, it's a mixture of documentary footage, narration, historical mixed media, and cinematic scenes. So, and right, they've, okay. They've definitely got actors involved because they've got people like Robert Patrick from uh, Terminator Judgment Day and X-Files, I think he was in. Christian Bauer, Van Stratton from True Blood, Adam Goldberg from Fargo, Holland Roden from Team Wolf. Yeah, so they've got certain actors involved. Um, mm-hmm. So there is clearly something that is kind of going to be drama-esque mixed into it. But I, yeah. I, don't, I can't, until I've seen it, I can't quite get a handle on exactly what it's going to be. But um, Yeah, that sounds good. It sounds it's interesting. Just, it does. Uh, I mean, uh, Amazon Prime have, you know, when they started the whole TV thing, it seems like they're doing it well and they've got a good kind of grasp on what they're doing. Yeah. Kind of similar how to Netflix has its original series that are doing really well. I mean, it, there are some TV series that you hit a concept and you just think, how is that going to work out? Yeah. So you, I guess we're just going to have to wait and watch. Yeah. I don't think it's not, it's not based on anything. It's all kind of it's fictional is it it's based like i say on on this podcast which okay um was a a podcast that looked at these myths and and legends so true life myths and legends so stories that people have said about this happened to me i think that's the idea whether you believe them or not is an entirely different matter but uh i mean the podcast's been really popular it's had only it has over like five million monthly listeners it was listed on by apple as one of their best podcasts in uh 2015 and 16 mm-hmm. so entertainment weekly had it on their top list of uh, in 2016 so it's been uh, like a fairly popular podcast and yeah. i you know as i say i think it's based around true life events and it's sort of then creating some sort of visual presentation of, of exactly. those stories 
So they're, what that'll be, though, it's I don't know. Yeah, they're just expanding the kind of franchise and you know yeah. giving people visual representation of the kind of the stories they've been telling, which I, I guess is sounds very interesting. I might yeah. give it a watch when it comes out. Yeah, so that's called Law. Starts Friday the thirteenth of October on on Amazon Prime Video. That Friday the thirteenth. Uh, <laughs> yes, you can see it. They set that. You can tell. Um, yeah. Then the rest of the stuff really comes from sci-fi. Sci-fi set a UK premiere date for The Exorcist, so that's coming on the 11th of October, so uh, into the horror genre. They've also picked up something called Dimension 404, which is coming on the 3rd of October. Dimension 404 is is kind of like a version of Black Mirror, I guess, but Mm. slightly lower budget and with a slightly more comical twist to it. But it's that sort of anthology series by the sounds of it. But Black Mirror was a very good series. Um, I've seen it so far, and if it's anything like that, then I will give it a watch. Yeah, I mean, I I don't... It's kind of interesting enough sounding to, to, to give it a try. I don't know how good it's going to be or how bad it's going to be, but uh, it sounds it's they've got like you know again it's the same sort of premise. It's an anthology series, different episode using a different story every week, different set of actors every week. So interesting enough, I think, to to take a look at. But that's called Dimension Four Hundred Four. Starts mm-hmm. on the third of October uh, on Sci Fi UK. Then we have a couple of renewals and cancellations. Killjoys, which runs on Sci Fi, uh, has been renewed for two seasons but those will be the final two seasons so uh, it's got two two seasons to finish off their story that's sci-fi us that are in control of that so that's good news for killjoy fans because it's getting to finish off its story which you know doesn't mm-hmm. always happen for shows uh like dark matter which is uh, also runs on sci-fi us and they've cancelled it after three seasons it appears that Dark Matter has been cancelled mainly due to financial reasons, not to do, due to anything with the creative, which is kind of sucks because, you know, it's yeah. one, one of the few full-on proper sci-fi shows that the Sci-Fi Channel run, um, you know, in that it's it's like spacefaring, it's, uh, you know, spaceships and aliens and all that sort of things going on. So it, it's a real shame that they've, yeah. they've just I mean, stopped it. It must suck for the writers who have kind of put all the well, time and effort into this and then they realise that it's cut due to budgeting issues or whatever. So um, yeah, that, that must really suck. Yeah, I mean, we've been posting a bit about it because I've had a few conversations with um, Joseph uh, Malotti, who's the writer and creator of the series. We actually interviewed him before the uh, the season three came out. And uh, I've been sort of in touch, you know, sort of saying, sorry, I'm absolutely gutted for you, you know, when he when he announced it, that it was cancelled. But uh, they, they'd done everything they possibly could, it, to the extent of kind of, mm. you know, he basically said, can I go down and pitch you, you know, when they said you're still on the bubble for it, for renewal, he said, can I go down and pitch you what we want to do for season four? And they said, no, don't bother, it's not a creative decision. So... Oh, wow. <laughs> that's kind of okay then. So... Uh, so they basically shut him down and uh, they even pitched them like a six episode mini series to be able to finish the story off. And they said no, which is I, I yeah. quite harsh. And that that more more than cancelling the show, that for me is one of the things that gives sci fi a bad rap because the yeah. not allowing the story to finish for the fans mm-hmm. of the show 
even just for six episodes, you know, I mean, it, it almost happened. Uh, there was a show, uh, Sense8 on Netflix, almost did the same thing. And then there was such a fan outcry from the fact that it had been cancelled that they they went back and said, OK, well, we'll give you a two hour movie to finish the story off. Yeah. Um, and th- they wouldn't even kind of do something like that just to round things off which you know and considering it ended on a massive cliffhanger for the third season as well i i think is is really quite harsh they are trying to find something else you know somewhere else for it they're still kind of keeping on top of it they're basically saying the best thing you can do at the moment is just go and make noise you know go and go onto twitter go onto facebook mm-hmm. if you're a fan of the show go and tweet at sci-fi go and tweet at netflix and amazon to pick it up go and just you know use the dark matter hashtag just make some noise about it and that will help generate interest and keep interest Definitely. alive in the show so uh, if you want it picked up go and do that but uh, yeah these days um in order to kind of get people to watch our show continuously sometimes it does mean you have to kind of throw it in their face a little bit until yeah. they really realize that it's actually a good quality series yeah but I mean, um does dark matter have like a large fan base or to it's, it or? it's got it's got a reasonable fan base i mean that was the annoying thing was the fact that dark matter actually had a fairly reasonable audience it was doing better than some of the other shows on the network but mm. it it's got the problem is the problem what we've come across before, uh, particularly back in May when they did all the renewals and cancellations. The show is in an acquisition. It's not a sci-fi original. So that means yeah. that when it comes to selling it on, sci-fi do not get money from selling the show onto uh, international markets or onto Netflix or onto Amazon or people like that. That money goes back to the people that create the show, not to sci-fi. They're basically just buying the end product. So it means it's cheaper for them up front, but they don't get any of the back end. And what we're starting to find is that CBS were the company that actually came out and said it, where uh, for the first time in CBS's history, less than 50% of the company's revenue came from advertising, which is the traditional way they make money is advertising on TV shows. Most of it, or the, the now the larger portion of it, is coming from selling original products onto other networks and, and to uh, international sales, so to people like us. And that seems to be the case across the board. So if you're an acquisition show, you, you're you on shakier ground than you are if you're made by the network that you're airing on, which is a real shame. Yeah, I guess that's the way it is these days. Um, yeah. yeah, it is. I mean, some shows just won't make it to the end, really. Um, mm. Obviously, there was a big outrage back in the day when Firefly was cancelled. Yeah. Um, like after the first season, which was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. I can't say there's anything been that bad since then but you know no. uh, this, it still happens yeah i mean you know shows do get cancelled all the time it is it, it is the the way it's just the fact that we are starting to see that shows that have even shows with decent ratings are now getting cancelled because of the fact that they're not owned by the network they're airing on uh, that's yeah that's the shift and uh you know as i say cbs particularly we saw a number of interesting things with cbs like elementary got renewed but two broke girls got cancelled and two because mm. uh, two broke girls is an outside was an acquisition show whereas elementary was a show made by them so even though elementary's ratings were lower that's the one that got saved because it's worth yeah. more to the network so i was still quite um I, I was still quite shocked when i heard that um abc were thinking of cancelling agents of shield after four seasons i i'm yeah. happy they didn't but there, uh, there's what there's a rumor going around at one point that they wouldn't make it past the fourth season 
um, which uh, that, that was baffling to me considering how well it was doing at the time. Yeah, yeah. And certainly given that the, the last season seems to have done uh, you know, a lot better than, than any mm. of the previous seasons. So, I, you know, I don't know. These things happen sometimes. But again, I mean, much as I would love all networks to base everything on creative content, they yes. they are businesses and they look at their bottom line. And unfortunately, that's sometimes what has has to drive it over whether the show is any good or not. So it's a shame. But uh, we move on to a bit more news. And speaking of shows coming back, True Detective, they've announced, is coming back for a third season. Did you catch any of the, the first two of this? I think I've seen part of season one. Right, okay. Um, I haven't seen all of it yet. So, I mean, season one went down very well. Season two, not mm. so much. So uh, there's there was a bit of kind of will they, won't they for season three. Uh, it's an anthology crime drama, so none of the seasons are connected in, in the same way that American horror isn't connected from season to season. Yeah. The entire thing's written by a guy called Nick Palacio. He's writing this one as well, with the exception of the fourth episode, for some bizarre reason, he's written with, the, uh, with David Milch, the creator of Deadwood. So... Um, <laughs> Randomly, but um, uh, he's also going to be showrunner and he will direct a number of, of episodes alongside they've brought in another director called Jeremy Solner, who is uh, is a relative newcomer. I mean, he's, he's shot a few TV shows, but nothing this big before. So they're kind yeah. of throwing him in at the deep end. It seems that they, they're now happy, HBO are now happy that they don't want a repeat of the second season, you know, because the second season got panned quite badly compared to the first season. So uh, I think that's why there was such a delay between the seasons i think when it comes to a, a lot of tv series that are kind of thrillers and um are really story-based rather than your, your sitcoms and everything it, I, I think there's kind of a two-season kind of rule that networks have if they want to kind of really focus on creativity mm. uh, that being like um if like like you say with true detective if the second season isn't as good as the third season they've got to make sure that the third season's you know better otherwise it might get kind of cancelled um yeah i've seen that with quite a few tv series at the moment yeah um i, I can't and no examples come to my head right now sorry but um <laughs> yeah um they've got to keep the quality up there otherwise you know it probably won't make it to another season after that uh this is starring uh one of the stars of moonlight and i'm never going to pronounce this name properly uh mashihala ali i believe his name Mashihala. Is. yeah, Mash- yeah. Mash- right. mashihala that, yeah that'll do <laughs> close enough uh so uh, yeah he's he's taking the lead this time around he's playing wayne hayes who is a police state detective from northwest arkansas the show's actually set in the Ozark Mountains, which is uh, the Ozarks are a place that I'd never ever heard of until Jason Bateman released his Netflix series, which was called Ozark. And we looked it up and went, oh, it's an area of Arkansas. And now we've got two shows that are set in the Ozarks. So, uh, <laughs> so randomly, but uh, it's, it's apparently going to be a mystery set in three separate time periods that spans across decades, which is one of the other things that they sort of do with True Detective is that, you know, it's they'd they like to play around with the, with connect crimes from one time period to another yeah i mean it, it sounds promising enough i think the location's quite good the ozarks is certainly from what i've seen from the jason bateman series i think he's an interesting enough area to set it in doesn't have an official air date as yet because they've only just announced that they're doing it but it'll either come next year or the year after i think they're probably aiming for next year because they're looking for something to fill the large gaping home life by game of thrones which is probably mm. not coming back until 2019 so yeah it's uh 
uh, it, not entirely sure when it's going to air, but it will air on Sky Atlantic over here because they've got this carriage deal with HBO. So everything from HBO comes onto Sky Atlantic. So we've got that. Then moving more back into comic book territory, we've mm-hmm. uh, got a uh, an announcement for the casting of Dick Grayson for the DC's Titans series. And uh, they've picked a home and away actor called Brendan Thwaites. This is the Titan series, which is going out on DC's straight-to-consumer digital service, which is uh, they haven't named yet, and they haven't released inf- any information about, other than that they've got this new digital streaming service. So we don't know whether it's just going to be US. We don't know whether it's going to be worldwide. If it's worldwide, it's another thing we're going to have to buy. If it's not, it's going to end up... Uh, yeah. Titans will end up probably getting picked up by a channel over here. But uh, the show's written and produced by uh, Avika Goldsman, who's one of the writers of Star Trek Discovery, and he was on Fringe. Jeff Johns, who is the man behind DC, he's, mm-hmm. uh, the worked on Flash and Arrow, and uh, Greg Belanti, who is the man behind the Arrowverse, are the three main people involved in it. The show sentences around Dick Grayson, who, of course, was Robin to Batman, and uh, he's now coming out from underneath Batman's shadow as part of the... from the dynamic duo and striking out on his own and uh, he's put together this new team which are known as the titans uh they're based on the teen titans and the titans comic book series are you familiar with i mean I'm, I'm assuming you're familiar with the characters to a certain extent even if you don't know the comic book yeah i've obviously watched uh, the cartoon teen titans so i grew up with yeah. like, stuff like that um obviously you know that was a lot more kind of for kids and whatnot and um, like more light-hearted not saying that um, the the CW or DC kind of universe is no, you know, but- anything kind of gritty or anything like that, but it has a lot more kind of depth and story to it. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll be excited to see something like Titans. Yeah. Um, I just hope it's... I, I didn't really enjoy Legends of Tomorrow that much. Oh, um, I so, love Legends. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think it's, it's wonderfully just, silly. It, <laughs> it, it's, it's so silly. Uh, maybe maybe it just doesn't appeal to me in that way. But, yeah. um, t- Titan sounds good because I think the character Dick Grayson from the comics and everything that you've seen of him in films um, is quite an interesting kind of character to really kind of push forward with all the titles that he has, like, you know, Robin, Nightwing, and just being yeah. Dick Grayson himself. Yeah. Uh, I think that'd be a really good way to start with Titans. And I'm, I'm sure we'll lead on to a lot more things for um, Brendan Thwaites. I think that's what he's saying. Yes, Brendan Thwaites. Brenton Brenton Thwaites. So, yeah, I mean, it's quite interesting because he's the second home and away person person they've cast actually because uh, Tegan Croft who is also from Home and Away is uh, has been cast in it as well she's playing one of the characters uh, Anna Diop as we mentioned last week for who was the girlfriend in sorry the wife in 24 Legacy she's playing Starfire Thwaites is best known for playing Stu Henderson in Home and Away, uh, but he has been in Gods of Egypt, the film. He's been in Maleficent. He's in Salazar's Revenge. I think he was in one of the other parts of the Caribbeans as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, it's interesting they've gone for two Home and Away people for the cast. But uh, it, one of the things that I did notice from the press release is they seem to have dropped the name Nightwing out of the press release. Um, oh, really? Whether, whether that's just because uh, the general non-comic reading populace know him more as Robin than they do as Nightwing, or whether whether they are actually going to use him as Robin and then move him into being Nightwing at some later stage, I don't know. Yeah, I think so, the second option is more likely. Um, yeah. I mean, I know it's not exactly a fair kind of comparison, but... Um, 
you know, in the Netflix series like Daredevil. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, it, it was called Daredevil and everything, but we didn't really get to see the suit until like the end of the season, yeah. like the proper one. So usually they'd kind of wait for reveals like that. Yeah, maybe. Um, maybe. I'm I sure mean, this... It would make sense. I mean, I, it's whether we get to see him as Robin at any point or, or whether, you know, whether they start him off as that, because obviously he's putting together a superhero team. So he's not going to do that purely as Dick Grayson, I wouldn't have thought. So no. uh, it's whether he's doing that as Robin and then turns into Nightwing halfway through or whether... I don't know. It's like, we'll, but we'll see. But if he's um if he's breaking away from kind of the, the whole Batman's kind of shadow that thing that's going on, I think Nightwing's more the of the independent character, while yeah. Robin's kind of you know looked at like the sidekick. Yeah. So um it'll be it will be interesting. I think Nightwing has a lot more depth to him than when he yeah. was trying to portray Robin. Yeah, so uh, so that's going to be one to watch out for. As I say, we'll give you a bit more news on the DC Digital streaming service when we know it, but they haven't really released anything yet. So uh, I think that's due sometime next year. And the last story we've got this week is they've got uh, an adaptation of the 2008 film Jumper in development by Jamie Bell, who was actually one of the stars of the film. Are you aware of the movie Jumper? I don't know whether you would be. I haven't watched it, no. No. came out in 2008. It's basically about... Um, uh, starred Hayden Christensen, and it was about a a young man that was able to teleport himself to any place on Earth. Uh, oh, wow! D- due to this dis- genetic anomaly, he sort of embarks on this hedonistic lifestyle of sort of guns, girls, and money and stuff, just using his powers in every sort of whim. Uh, but there are a group called the Paladins, which are a secret society of religious extremists who are sworn to track down and kill the Jumpers, believing them to be sort of this you know genetic malformation. So um, that's sort of this this cat and mouse chase between the the uh, him as the Jumper and the Paladins. Jamie Bell actually played a character called Griffin, who was another jumper in the original series, who's been tracking down and killing off the Paladins to avenge the death of his parents. Uh, And he's trying to take out their leader, Roland, who was played by Samuel L. Jackson in the film. So that's the basic sort of premise of it. And uh, they've now decided that they're going to try and turn that into a TV series. And you can sort of, I can see that working. I, I think, yeah. you know. It might uh, be a bit um, controversial with all the kind of religion thing, if they're going to carry on down that route. Yeah, um, I, I mean, but then we've had religious secret sex and I mean, they're using religious extremists, but it's kind of, you know, it's a hokey kind of religious yeah. sect thing that, that you yeah, know, we've seen plenty of those on tv so i think you're probably okay yeah it sounds like an interesting concept um but it'd be whether or not this reboot is kind of pay homage to the film or will kind of be like a a sequel prequel or like within the universe i I suspect it would be a a sequel of of sorts because if jamie bell's involved in it it seems likely that he may bring his character back in some way i seem to remember from the original film he ended up being a kind of guide to hating christian's character character in the first movie of sort of how things work so it that would sort of make sense of him to be able to pop up every so often and and give guidance to whoever they cast as as the lead yeah but, uh, it's, well, yeah. it's interesting because um i do i do kind of i'm quite fond of the the format of having a film to start off with in your franchise and then expanding into a tv series where yeah. you can really kind of get that so you can watch the films as a starter 
And if you're not if you're not kind of keen on it, you can don't, you don't have to watch the series. Yeah. But um, it, the series will kind of um, explain a lot more things within the universe and how stuff works. Yeah. Um, and showed the kind of aftermath of the film. So I, I I think this could work. Yeah. The guy developing it with Jamie Bell is a guy called Julian Simpson who worked on Doctor Who and uh, on New Tricks as well and a few other TV shows. So yeah, I mean I I don't know. It's one to watch out for. It's still very much in development at the moment. So we'll let you know if it actually gets picked up or goes anywhere. But uh, interesting. Interesting, I thought. Interesting idea. Mm -hmm. So that's all the news we've got for this week. Next, we move on to the interview. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This week's interview is with Sarit Klein, who is the makeup department head for Marvel's The Defenders. She's New York-based makeup artist who's worked in TV and films such as Nurse Jackie, Necessary Roughness, uh, Unforgettable, and the Smurfs movie. She's uh, how the last few years she's been mainly been making the stars of the Marvel Netflix shows look fabulous, or, or rather, more kind of look beaten up and covered in bruises is usually the way with the Marvel Netflix shows. She's been the makeup department head for Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and most wow. recently The Defenders. She's currently working on Jessica Jones Season 2 as well. So we talked to her a bit about what it's like working in the MCU, uh, how on earth they managed to keep continuity from like character to character and know where all the bruises are and and uh, how complicated the makeup process is. Uh, we talked to her a little bit about Jessica Jones Season 2, although obviously she can't say much. So uh, here's the interview with Sarit we will see you afterwards with some highlights for next week good morning good morning how are you good lovely to to have you uh come on and and spend a bit of time to uh, chat through some of your stuff thank you for having me you're very welcome i think you're the first pure makeup person we've had we've had people that do like the prosthetics and you know that mm -hmm. sort of makeup but i think you're mm -hmm. the, you're the first kind of straight makeup designer we've we've had on or makeup department head we've had on so oh i'm honored thank you <laughs> <laughs> so there's nothing to compare to great yeah so nothing to compare to you could do whatever you like you're fine <laughs> bring the drinks on <laughs> <laughs> so um let's start off with a little bit of background how did you get into um makeup in the first place um i grew up in israel I was born in the early right, 70s. Okay. Yeah, my mom's American. So I grew up in an American home watching a lot of, you know, 80s TV shows. Actually, because I grew up in Israel, we had a lot of BBC. Oh, okay. So also I loved painting. So, you know, I fall in love with colors. I used to illustrate and paint. And I actually never thought that I would make a career out of it. My right. goal was business. I actually got a business degree and I was a flight attendant in my early 20s. <laughs> uh, I know you go, you go to Israel, you go to the army. So <laughs> once I got out of the army, I was wondering what I wanted to do. So I took a makeup course for fun just for about a year while I was a flight attendant. Then I just started doing weddings, weddings and I 
got a business degree at the same time. I couldn't just do one thing. So I just <laughs> like, like to study and just do many different things. And after my business degree, I actually got a job in TV on the production side. Right. And then I saw it was production and development. And then I saw what set looks like, what the dynamic of set. And then I saw what the makeup department head does. And I fell in love with that. <laughs> and I said, okay, this is what I want to do, but I want to do it in New York. I have dual citizenship because of my mom. So yeah. I left Israel at the age of 28 and just went to New York myself, started from scratch. And here we are today. <laughs> so it was an interesting involvement awesome. that you ne I never thought that I would end up doing what I'm doing now. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's quite a, a odd route, I guess, to, to get Very through much. to it. But, uh, but yeah, business degree is never a bad thing to do, you know? So That's true. And in, in an interesting way, that's my left brain working and makeup is my right brain. And as a designer and a makeup department head, I need both sides of my brain. Yeah. <laughs> so in a weird way, this combination actually helps me. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, that makes sense. So um, do you just want to give a little explanation of what it is you actually do as the makeup department head? Yes. Well, that's a lot. So specifically <laughs> for these Marvel Netflix shows, I design the makeup and my job, only part of it is to actually apply the makeup. Right. Part of it is to apply and a big part of it is the prep phase and the behind the scenes which includes starting, let's say, I'll give you an example for a show. The yeah. prep, prep phase of one of these shows can start up to about two to three months before we actually start shooting the show. And because I've been working three years straight on the five shows, I will design the next show while I'm on a show. <laughs> for instance, yeah. yeah. For instance, on Luke Cage, I was shooting Jessica Jones season one. We, I don't know if you saw Luke Cage, but see yes. the episode, yeah. episode four is a flashback episode where he's, you know, flashback in jail and yes. he has the different beards, the different wigs. We designed those approximately, yeah, it was about two and a half months prior to starting to shoot Luke Cage. While on Jessica Jones, we started designing these. We had multiple meetings with the future showrunner, Cheo. Right. To, to figure out what best works for my culture slash Luke Cage and what will show the best time passage. Yeah. So we brought a wig maker who also did the beards. We did custom facial fittings. We had to design it and approve with Marvel, Netflix, the showrunner, the producer. It was a huge collaboration. All these shows are a big collaboration. So once those were approved, we can go about and knowing the strict deadline that we have to start shooting the show, we gave the wig maker and beard maker the timeline. She did that. Then we got the beards and the wigs. We did a bunch of makeup tests to make sure that the wig and the beard together looks good. Then that needs to be approved. Right. So the prep phase is usually a big part of the shows. And that's actually refreshing to me because Marvel and Netflix loves to be prepared. Yeah. So that when we get to the actual shoot day or the actual episode, we can move on a fast pace. We shoot 12 hour 12 hour days, we shoot eight to nine days an episode. Right. And on the last day of the episode, we actually have tandems. So we will start episode three at the last day of shooting episode two. Right. So I'm constantly preparing the next show. I'm constantly preparing the next episode. The prep Jeez. of the next episode, yep, starts the first day of the current episode. <laughs> 
So that's pretty much my life for three years. And that means that when I'm doing a night shoot, which means I go to work at 6 p.m., I go to bed 4, 6 a.m., I will wake up a few hours later and I will respond to chain of emails and text messages about what's going to happen the next episode or sometimes the same day, the night shoot that's coming up. Yeah. So that's a huge part of my makeup design job. And then on set or sorry, in the trailer before they get to set, I will delegate and I will execute the makeups that we designed previously that were approved. Right. So that's in a nutshell, the <laughs> the pretty big job that I have on these shows. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's funny because I mean, I, I love the, the Marvel Netflix series. I, I, I binged mm. my way through the Defenders in like two days. Oh, so, you know, I, me too. I, I think I did it in one day. <laughs> I oh, couldn't wow. wait. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think I ended up uh, I ended up doing it over two days, but I mean, just a brilliant, brilliant series. And uh, it's interesting because you talk about how fast they're moving. Because originally the plan was to do Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, and then sort of the second season of Daredevil pops up first, and and then right. sort of it was to go on to the Defenders, and and you got in the second season of Daredevil, and then you ended up with with the Punisher getting put in there, and then you've got like you know mm-hmm, another season mm-hmm. of Jessica Jones coming. And so, yeah, yes, the, the, the tree was built and now the branches are forming. Yes, just just <laughs> you know, a the trunk of the tree. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. how how do you keep track of the looks of, of the makeup? And I mean, because th- you're, you're obviously with a show like that, you're doing scars and bruises and that sort of stuff. And then, mm-hmm. you know, people here that they got obviously heal over time. So you've got to work that. How, how do you keep track of all that? That is also something interesting. We created a wound map. Let's I'll give you an example for Daredevil. Yeah. So Daredevil, since you've seen the defenders and it's not a spoiler, you see the last scene where he is not dead and he, you know, yeah. it looks like he's after the battle and he has all these wounds and the scars. So starting in Daredevil season one, knowing that some of the scenes he's going to be needing to be shirtless and he shoots a lot at night, we may or may not see him actually get the punches because he has, you know, his suit on. Yeah. But at some point we will see the aftermath of it, especially in Daredevil season one when Foggy discovers him. He's all bloody, yeah. you know, with stitches on the, on the couch. So I created something that's called a wound map. The wound map is a, it's a diagram, uh, actually a handwritten diagram or hand painted, illustrated. We have two bodies that every makeup meeting, I bring this wound map and we go over knowing with it's again, it's a huge collaboration with everything. This is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We can't make up, we can't make up everything, anything. It's all continuous and we don't know what we're going to see now may go to another show. Right. So yeah. even myself as a makeup designer, I don't know. So we have to be very specific and very apprehensive, always moving forward to be you know, accurate. Yeah. So I'll bring the wound map with me. We'll discuss the healing power of Daredevil or the specific character that we're talking about. And knowing that, you know, this villain punched him in the face. Yeah. So he may have a bruise on the left cheek or he'll have a cut on top of his eyebrow. So I'll draw that once that's approved, the placement, the size of it, the depth of it, whether it's going to be prosthetics, whether it's not going to be prosthetics. Right. Josh Jory handles that he's a prosthetic designer. He handles the prosthetics on these shows. When it's not prosthetics, I handle that. Yeah. That's how that's how the team works. 
So we'll draw that then on, for instance, episode three, we'll do those wounds, we'll do those stitches, but he'll also have scars from other episodes or other, you know, Daredevil yeah. 2, other seasons or Defenders, other shows. So that wound map goes with me every episode and every show. I did not do Daredevil season two. We were shooting Luke Cage at the time. Right. So the wound map continued to the makeup department from Daredevil season two. Right. And then they added what they did. And then it came back to me to the Defenders. <laughs> so we discuss what the healing process is, how many days went by from one episode to the other episode or from one show to the other show. Yeah. Every little thing that you won't even imagine is discussed. <laughs> the color of the blood, the color of the wound. Realistically, would it be healing after a few days? Yes, he has healing power, so he'll heal faster. So it's going to be you know, less fresh bruise. Yeah. So it's just really interesting. That's pretty much how we can maintain the continuity and the accuracy of these scars and wounds and bruises and cuts. And, wow. So you know, it's a lot, especially in full body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. I mean, Daredevil obviously is the one that seems to get knocked around the most because Luke Cage is basically impenetrable. So, you know, yes, that's nice right? and easy. Besides uh, that one, did you see that one bullet hole? Oh, yes. That season, is true. season one. Yes. His brother. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you, you, his wound map basically has one bullet hole. <laughs> yes, pretty much. <laughs> easy, easy for us. <laughs> yeah, nice and simple. Uh, what about characters like, like Jessica Jones? I mean, your four main leads, I suppose you're dealing more with kind of blood and bruises and that sort of stuff with, with the boys. With mm -hmm. uh, Jessica, I mean, again, she's not a character that overly makes herself up as such. So, um, oh, definitely not. <laughs> so, so how how do you deal with the makeup for Jessica? I think the theme in general for all these shows for me, is invisible makeup that will just enhance the character and enhance their storyline, especially when it's an evolving storyline. What I mean by evolving, for instance, you know, Iron Fist has the homeless beard and then it turns into more a groomed beard, episode three. Yeah. So for Jess Jessica, for instance, she doesn't really care what she looks like. Yeah. So she, you know, she doesn't have much of a change of clothes. She won't look in the mirror. So to make her more of a badass a little bit rock and roll edgy character, although she does have a full face of makeup on. Mm. It was more about enhancing the eyes and making her look a little bit, you know, she does, she doesn't sleep a lot. She'll yeah. drink a lot. So she's not supposed to be perfect. So yeah. it's okay if she has a little bit of a smudged eyeliner. Yeah. She does in reality, Kristen does have mascara. She has eyeliner on the top. She has eyeliner on the bottom. She'll have a little bit of, you know, just natural cheek blush to make her look like she's flushed. She has a base on and her lips, for instance, she has nothing on her lips besides, well, this season we're actually using a more organic lip balm, hurrah lip balm, which is a cherry lip color. Right. Her lips are really pigmented. So I went with the character and the actor's comfortability. And also I didn't want the makeup to distract the viewer. Yeah. I never want someone to get out of the story. These are relatable stories. I want them to go into Jessica Jones and understand that she's human. She's a human being that has complex issues. She has all these flaws and she just happens to have superpowers. So that's where I base my makeup design on. Obviously it's all approved with Marvel and Netflix and that was my creative input. Yeah. So there's a no makeup look that is specific colors that does. It's, I'm also collaborating with the cinematographer and the costumes yeah. to see what filters we're using, what the color palette of the show is, which was a more purple color. Yeah. So 
that was pretty much the no makeup look that I designed that went through the process of being approved with all the departments and the tone of the show, of course. As Shay Clarkson, who did the first two episodes of The Defenders, directed the first two episodes of Jessica Jones. Right. Season one. Yeah. So that was good to have her on both shows. Great. With you coming to The Defenders, having worked on the other four individual shows, did how you worked with the makeup change much for the Defenders compared to the individuals? I tried to keep the makeup consistent, especially for the established characters, the superheroes and the villains. Yeah. I also, the fact that I had S.J. Clarkson, who created Jessica Jones' look, the color palette, the tone of the show. Yeah. And then she created the tone of the show for the Defenders. That was really interesting because... To her, she wanted to keep the superheroes very distinct in their color palettes. Right. It was for it was for us less about blending. It was more for us to maintain the color palettes. And when we do have crossovers, there will be some colors that are going to be in the foreground, some in the background. So to me, it was easier in that aspect coming to the Defenders, maintaining these superhero colors and continuity. I did ha- need to focus on the new you know, villains, Alexandra. And Elodie, who I, you know, I did not work with in Daredevil 2, who yeah. her look was established, but now she's Black Sky. So we had to put the little twist on her makeup. Yeah. So it was easy and challenging because I had the new, the new covers coming in. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. So I had yeah. more, more time to focus on that, which also obviously needed to go through the appropriate makeup tests, approval process. Yeah. Everything has an approval process. Every little thing. <laughs> Well, yes, they like to keep a tight rein on things, don't they? So, (laughs) Mm -hmm. But like I said before, it makes things easier in the long run and on the shoot day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We know what bruises, we just come and do it sometimes on set. So less sitting in the trailer, less sitting in the makeup chair. Yeah. Shoot fast pace. We get everything done fast. Yeah. You mentioned Alexandra there. So you get um mm-hmm. you get to work with Sigourney Weaver on, on oh, the yes. defenders as well. How, how is it uh, daily uh, you know, putting makeup on her and, and uh, working with her? Well, she was a legend. I grew up watching all her movies, Ghostbusters, Alien, all these all these movies. And speaking to her for the first time, I was very humbled and honored to work with her. Um, our collaboration actually started in a makeup conversation on the phone. She called me from Europe and we spoke about her character and what she likes and what she doesn't like. It was about a 20 minute conversation. And I gave my two cents, um, knowing the look of the show. Yeah. So we came up with some kind of look that we went to SJ Clarkson and the Marvel Netflix people. Then we did a couple makeup tests and we came up, I think, with a pretty great look to make her look a little bit natural, but just a little bit more evil than the <laughs> other superheroes. <laughs> yeah. The other quite interesting one makeup wise, I guess, is probably Madame Gao. I love my Madame Gao, Wai Cheng Ho. She's one of my favorite characters. So how, how do you approach the makeup for her? I mean, I don't know how old the actress is, so I don't know how much you're you're mm-hmm. making her up or <laughs> I don't know how much you're aging her. Or... Well, a lot of people think that there's a lot of prosthetics on her. In reality, she's a non-prosthetic character. What I mean by that, every right. part of her skin is covered with latex. It's a two-people process. She sits in the chair for about an hour, in the makeup chair for about an hour, 20 minutes in hair. And we use a stretch and stipple technique. My assistant will stretch her skin and I will apply old age stipple on every part of her skin, which is her face, her neck, 
her arms and her hands. We don't know how old she is. All we know is that she's a few hundred years old. Yeah. So I had about five hours of makeup tests to finalize her look. They wanted a little bit more age spots. They wanted more age on the neck. So that was about four to five hours of makeup tests. And after we do the stretch and step on the chair, we'll dry that with a hairdryer. We'll powder it and we'll add more layers. And on, right. on top of that, we'll hand paint age spots in specific marks. <laughs> so that's interesting continuity as well yes. to make sure that all the age spots don't change and don't change <laughs> with the show because she goes from show to show as well as Claire yes, Temple. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's one of my favorites to design because she's also, she doesn't, is not really existent in the comic books. So I created something that lives forever and I'm really proud of that. Yeah. And she's, she's fun. She's in the chair the longest, you know, we're, we're the gal gal girls. We just put on some music <laughs> and we just have fun with her. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, she's, uh, you wouldn't know how much work goes into that makeup. I, I yeah, I wouldn't say, I mean, it's, it's brilliantly done because you, oh, thank you. It, it looks so natural on her that, I mean, you, you wouldn't know that there was that much work that had to have gone into aging her up that much, which is fantastic yeah we actually use three different old age just for different areas for her hands for instance you need to use a stronger old age for her neck the same around her eyes a little bit less because we know that that's originally where they have wrinkles right so you know it's finessing the little characteristics of her face and her body (laughs) (laughs) so i mean as well as uh, you've you know the secondary characters you've got um, people like Trish, uh, who's far mm-hmm. more kind of glamorous, and uh, Jerry Hogarth, uh, the amazing Carrie Ann Moss. Um, mm-hmm. Karen, uh, you also, if you did Daredevil, you you must have done Vincent D'Onofrio for Wilfred Fisk as well. Yes, season one. Yes. That was also great. I think in general for me, just to make the characters who they are, especially on the guys, I will do more corrective makeup. Right. Less is more for me, especially when you shoot HD. When we were shooting Iron Fist, that's when we started taking into consideration the HDR TVs, the high def resolution. Right. That's when we first started considering that. Me and the cinematographer were discussing that, and I'm always around the monitors. But here, much more, I had to tone down some colors because they would have been too bright. Interesting. So, for instance, yeah, for the lips. Sorry, I'm digressing from Vincent, but I was just okay. realizing the the Iron Fist was the first show that we actually dealt with toning down colors. When for me, less is more in general. Yeah, yeah. So for Vincent, for instance, it was also corrective makeup. Okay. So what do you mean by corrective makeup? Just sort What of- I mean is that they won't, the, mainly the guys, mainly the superheroes or the villains, I, I don't put a lot of makeup on them. If someone has a pimple, yes, I'll cover that. But yeah. sometimes under the eyes, I'll leave it as is. Okay. Especially when you're shooting high def. It really depends on the character and depends on the scene. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. If I, if I know that this person's in jail, he's not going to be all perked up. So yeah. I can leave the under eyes to look a little bit, you know, yeah. no, that under makes pressure. Sense. <laughs> the other thing you've obviously got to deal with in the makeup department is tattoos. Um, so, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm Co- assuming, Covering and creating. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, ha- I'm assuming there are, are people on the cast that have tattoos, which you're covering up and some of the superheroes i bet you can't guess who <laughs> <laughs> um, i wonder yes uh, i have to go and look that up um but yeah i mean the obvious the big obvious tattoo of course is, is the one on iron fist's uh, mm-hmm. chest how long does that take to 
create and how long does it stay on? Can you just explain a bit more about that? Well, since that show, there was a lot of facial hair involved. I actually decided to give Josh Torrey, our prosthetic designer, the chance to handle the Iron Fist tattoo. Okay. So he was in charge of that. He created that. We went through... I was involved in the aspect of creating that, but he handled it with the Marvel and Netflix and the showrunner. I think we went through between 15 and 20 tests to figure out the color, the size, the placement, the depth. There was a lot of discussing about the color. And once some of the scenes, we actually see part of the tattoo and some of the scenes when he's shirtless, we see the tattoo and the scars from all Iron Fist previous wounds. So we'll tag team that. Sometimes I'll just do Finn Jones' face and groom the beard. At the same time, Josh or his assistant, Brian, will place a tattoo on. So we have a system that works like a factory. We're so good at that now. Under <laughs> 30, we could probably get around 30 minutes when we have, you know, Danny Rand full, full body. We can get it about 30 minutes and we do have to cover a couple of his tattoos. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So we can put that on in about 15 minutes and we'll use Prozade and that, that could pretty much last all of the 12 hours of the shoot day. With minor okay. touch-ups here and there. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, that's waterproof and that's that's pretty quick, really. That's that's pretty I, good I think it I think it is really quick, yeah. Yeah. What would you say has been your most interesting experience working on the Marvel shows so far? I feel like there's a lot of interesting experience. Every day is not like the other, especially with the deadlines, knowing that all the episodes are going to be airing at the same time. So there's a lot of days that we do tandems, like I mentioned before, that one of the units could be a stunt unit that shoots during the day while I'm on the superhero unit, which could be a night shoot. Right. So for me, I'm involved in both units, just the knowledge of what's going on there in case it pertains to something that I'm working on. Yeah. So that's an interesting experience. Another interesting experience, for instance, on the Defenders, when we had all of the superheroes together, all my babies together from all the other shows, <laughs> and just to see the dynamic of all of them together, some of them didn't even meet before the show started. Really? Wow. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Charlie and Kristen didn't meet before. Finn and Mike did not meet before. So it was just interesting to see them meeting. And in the beginning, we had in the first couple episodes before the superheroes meet in the Defenders, we have the different stories more Jessica and uh, Daredevil. So they shot their own days and Mike and Finn shot their own days. So even then they didn't meet yet. (laughs) So coming to episode three, seeing the dynamic was great. I will say though that at some point there was a day where we had about 25 to 30 cast members. I don't remember if you remember the hall scene in the beginning of Defenders. So that was a challenging, a really interesting day that we had to be prepped for and organized. Actually, wasn't a day. It was about three to four days. (laughs) We had the four superheroes. We had their four stunts. We had the villains. We had their stunts. Then we had the boardroom members in there. And they were mainly stunt people. So Mm. we had about, what did I say, 25, 30 people needing to get ready in a period about two and a half hours I had a huge makeup team. Their stunts that have to be matched accurately, for instance, Finn Jones' stunt. We put a beard on him and we actually darkened him a bit to match Finn's skin tone. Right. My Coulter has a stunt guy who we hand paint. He did, does grow his hair, but we hand paint some of the hair, the goatee, and we darken his skin to match his mic. 
Right. For Jessica Jonestown, we actually have to lighten her skin to match <laughs> Kristen's pale skin tone. Yeah. So there's all these things. And of course, if they have, you know, wounds, scars, all these things, we have to do that on the stunt double too. Yeah. So like clockwork, we made it work by day two of this crazy hall, hall <laughs> scene. We got it down because we had, we had about five, you know, we had six makeup and six hair that day. Right. So there's a lot of prep for that day, trying to figure out who will sit in the chair, who will sit in this chair while they're in hair. So <laughs> yeah. a couple of days before we shoot that, I'm prepping for that day while I'm shooting the other episodes <laughs> and sorry, the other scenes. So that is very interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just working on Defenders was to me one of the highlights of my career. Worked so hard to get to the Defenders with all the four shows and seeing yeah. everybody come together was an amazing experience. Yeah. I mean, you you touched on, on something there, which is mm-hmm. something you don't necessarily think of too much. But of course, you are having to make up all the stunt doubles to look like the lead actors or the, you know, whoever they're re- stunt replacing. Oh, yeah. It's huge on superhero shows. So, yeah, that must be kind of interesting, just having to match everybody up and, yeah, like you say, lightening the skin. That's fascinating. Yeah. Once we, once we know the look of the actual superhero or the villain and we know who the stunt person for that person is going to be, they try to be consistent with it. With the superheroes, it's always going to be the same stunt person, obviously. So we always have to take into consideration their skin color, whether they have tattoos, where we have to apply the tattoo. For instance, um, Danny Rand, Finn Jones, stunt guy has to get all the scars, has to get the tattoo. Uh, We put the beard on, we do his skin. He may, he probably takes the longest and when I mean the longest, I'd say 30 to 40 minutes right? Yeah. because we're able to tag team. He also, he also, they curl his hair to match Finn's hair. <laughs> right. Okay. So there's many different things. Yeah. <laughs> what you're working on at the moment is uh, Jessica Jones season two. Doing is Jessica right? Jones season two. Yep. This is where we need to kind of choose our shows because they're all going to be shooting simultaneously. Yes. So Jessica Jones season two is shooting at the same time as Luke Cage season two is shooting. They just started after us. Oh, and okay. Yeah, at some point, Daredevil season three is going to shoot and Iron Fist. And, we, and I don't know if Punisher got picked up or not, but that's going to be shooting. No one has mentioned to us if Defenders is going to be shooting a season two or not. <laughs> it's going to be interesting and hard to get all their schedules uh, yeah, lined yeah. up because we were told way back when we started Daredevil in 2014 that Defenders is going to be shooting towards the end of 2016. Yeah. So all the all the actors knew that they're scheduled for that. Now I'm not sure what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess they've, I mean, the Defenders was great, but they've they've managed to get so many kind of spin-offs and and second mm-hmm. seasons and I'm sure third seasons and that sort of stuff. I Maybe they've decided just to, to leave it for a little while and while they string everything else out, possibly. I don't know. but um, Possibly. I'm, I'm kind of the last to know, just like you. I'll get the script <laughs> yeah. about it two weeks before we start shooting. Wow. So, um. <laughs> So yeah, but I mean, I'm I'm massively looking forward to Jessica Jones season two because I, I adored season one of that. I thought it was uh, just... season two, no spoilers here, but it's better than season one if that's even possible. Wow, wow, it really is. I'm I'm looking forward so to having. Uh, I mean, I we know David Tennant is back because he's been seen on set. Um, yeah. In in what capacity? That's not been revealed, obviously. But no, I can't mention uh, as well. I, of course, yes, and I'm sure you can't. So, uh, but yes, I mean. Uh, David Tennant, by far one of my favorite villains out of every mm-hmm. villain that we've had on that show. He was amazing in that first season. Same here. 
So, not because he's British or anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just I love the character and he's a great yeah, actor as well. So, you know, I, mm-hmm. I thought that was fabulous. We've been on about half an hour. I shall I shall let you go. There's a couple of final questions. Of course. Two things we always ask people. First is, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? When you get ah, time. <laughs> when I get time. Well, that's the thing. I, my go-to TV right now is Netflix because I'm not able to watch a show one week after yeah. the other, I always get delayed. I'm like, Oh, they're on episode eight. And I just started. So I like to binge walk. I, I watch, I just finished on Netflix. There's, I don't know if you've heard or seen the show glow. Oh yes. Yes. I'm aware of it. I haven't actually watched 80s. it, but yes. It is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Just it's on my list. makeup wise. Yeah. Obviously the story is compelling to me, but I loved, I grew up in the eighties as a teenager. I watched all these shows me and too. Yes. Actually, actually wrestling too. So <laughs> that touched my, touched home too and just seeing I love period shows in general yeah so just seeing the period of the 80s and and seeing the makeup and the hair that's thrilling to me (laughs) I saw that and I just finished The Good Place which is Ted Danson and Kristen yes Uh, yes yes so no. much fun. Oh, I I love that show. That that actually, it's just got picked up by Netflix over here. Oh, it did? Okay. It, yeah, so you'll get to see it. Yes. But I actually watched the first season on the flight over to LA uh, when I oh, was yeah. over there. I, they had the entire first season box set. So I binged watch it on the flight over. I, I, just amazing. I couldn't stop watching it. I didn't know what yeah. to expect. I said, I'll just watch one or two. And then I just kept on going and yeah. I saw it in one day. It's such fun, that show. And so I've, good. I'm uh, looking forward to the second season because they are putting the second season on Netflix over here as well, like weekly. Oh, so fabulous. So, uh, yes, I'm, that's a, a great choice. I love that series. I love to watch documentaries, but I think just because of my hours and, yeah. you know, and the dark shows that I'm involved with, I try to just somehow get into some comedies or, you know, yeah. lighthearted shows that I don't think have to think a lot about in the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, makes perfect yeah. sense. And, and lastly, if you had the opportunity opportunity to work on any show past present or future which show would it be obviously not one that you're currently on Mm. well i think one of the things i would love to work i'm just going to put it out there on the marvel movies right i know it's not a show but i just you know i love the you know the avengers i just love marvel studios and disney so for me just working on one of these you know, major movies would be as well highlight for my career. That would be nice. Well, you, you're in probably one of the better positions to be able to do that. So mm-hmm. I know. And yes, I would love to work on Game of Thrones. <laughs> Speaking of shows. There we go. <laughs> not the first person to say that. Of course not. <laughs> no, that, that was amazing. The finale was uh, quite incredible this year. So uh, I, didn't, I didn't watch it. Don't tell me. I went, I went, I went. I went uh, yeah, the finale was incredible this year. So I'm just a brilliant series. So um, thank you for, for uh, spending a bit of time to talk through your, your makeup stuff. It's, it's thank been fascinating. It's been really fascinating because as I say, we've first makeup person we've had on, I think. So, oh, um, I'm happy to be that person. <laughs> fantastic to have you on. I uh, ha- hope you have a wonderful day. Uh, are you night shooting again tonight? Um, today I have a day off actually, but oh, yes, good. tomorrow we're going to be shooting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, brilliant. Well, have a lovely day off and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing Jessica Jones too when that comes out. Yes, I'm not sure when that's going to come out yet. No. We're, we're shooting still shooting it, it so it's going to be a while, I guess. <laughs> yeah, next year sometime, I'm sure. Too. Yes. Have a fantastic 
fantastic day off. And, Thank you so uh, much. You again I appreciate you taking the time as well. No worries. Cheers. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Right. So that was the interview with Sarit Klein. Obviously, all those shows, uh, Marvel shows, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Defenders, all on Netflix. Uh, they're all brilliant. Go and get Netflix. It's a fantastic service. So that's the interview there. Next up, we have some highlights for next week on TV. <laughs> So, highlights for next week. We start off with uh, Back, which is a new show coming to Channel 4 on the 6th of September at 10pm. Uh, it's the return of David Mitchell and Robert Webb to Channel 4, uh, to a Channel 4 sitcom. It's about a pub landlord and the interloping ex-foster child. This looked quite funny. We've seen a few trailers it and is. stuff for this. I, I quite like the look of this. And I love Mitchell and Webb as well. So, exactly, they're brilliant together. So, I, I'm really looking forward to that. I think that could be brilliant. If it's Anything like the peep show, it would be great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think it would be quite as... Uh quite like something like Picho, but I, I do like the look of this. I think it's a bit more sitcom-y, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. It looked good. Safe House is returning for a second season. That's on the 7th of September. That's at 9pm on ITV. Now, this obviously has its first season, but it, they're taking a kind of anthology feel to it because it's an entirely different class and set in an entirely different place. So uh, it's Stephen Moyer and Zoe Tapper taking over the league roles and it's moving to Wales. I'm not sure where where it was set. I think it was somewhere up north the first season was set, but it's moving to Wales for its second season. So uh, that could be quite good. Tin Star, which is being advertised just everywhere at the moment, that's coming to Sky Atlantic on the 7th of t- September at 9pm. But on the 7th of September, it's also getting dropped. All 10 episodes are getting dropped onto Sky on Demand and Now TV, so you can just binge your way through the entire thing. This is uh, Tim Roth and Christina Hendricks in a revenge thriller set in the Rocky Mountains. It's made by Kudos and the people behind Humans and Life on Mars and Broadchurch and every other major TV show you can think of. (laughs) So, I mean, uh, oh, and Sky have just announced today as well, they've already renewed it for a second season. So Wow. Um, yeah they're pretty happy with it i mean it's tim roth it's from kudos i think Uh this is definitely going to be something to watch 7th of september on sky atlantic that's coming i think it really looks good though so well worth keeping an eye out for then we've got the expanse coming for a second season onto netflix finally that's on the 8th of september that arrives uh this is the uh drama which it's a sci-fi drama based on a series of novels about a future where humanity has colonized the solar system and you've got three kind of warring factions or that have kind of got a tentative piece but uh it's it's really good if you've not seen the first series it's uh, on netflix as well proper full-on dark sci-fi this it's really good have you caught the expansion yet i haven't actually but it sounds like something i'd like yes put it on your netflix watch list it's really good so stars thomas sheen it says here uh, i like him as an actor personally, yeah so i'll probably let, really like the series yeah thomas jane is is sort of the main leads but there's sort of three two or three main stories that are going on at the same time which then converge but yeah second season of that 8th of september it's the expanse on netflix bojack horseman back for its fourth season on the 8th of september as well that's also on netflix 
American Horror Story Cult, season seven of that coming to uh, Fox UK on the 8th of September as well. The 8th of September has got a lot of things starting. That's at 10 p.m. Yeah, lots of stuff. Uh, 10 p.m. that starts, and uh, that's obviously the new season of American Horror. That looks like it could be quite interesting. It's sort of based across the background of the last election where Trump won. So, wow, uh, that's going to be controversial. Yes, Um, so that's going to be quite interesting, I think. So we've got that. And then Cold Feet is back for its seventh season. That's on ITV on the 8th of September at 9pm, that is. So that sees them all return. Cold Feet's a show I completely missed the first time around and then missed the revival as well. So (laughs) I know it's hugely popular. Uh, can't watch it all no exactly uh, just like I don't watch Strictly Come Dancing which is also coming back yes, that's on the yes. uh, that's on the 9th of September at uh, 5 past 7 that starts I agree with your decision <laughs> yeah better things to do with my time and uh, Strike the Siltworm as, we, as I mentioned earlier that's, um, that's the second sort of season or second book in the series so that's a continuation of the Strike series that starts on uh, Sunday nights the 10th of September at 9pm on the 11th they've got an interesting show starting on BBC One this is called Relic which is killer backwards and uh, the idea is it's telling the story of what makes a serial killer is it the serial killer or the cop who's compelled to relentlessly track him down the idea is that it takes the story of a mer- of a serial killer being caught but does it in reverse oh wow I, I, I really like the sound of this it sounds very intriguing so that's coming to BBC One on the 11th of September at 9pm uh, I will be watching that and I will report back my th- my findings but I uh, quite like the sound of that so so that's one to watch out for Fear the Walking Dead second half of that mm. starts on AMC Global for the five people that have AMC Global uh, that's uh, on the 11th of September that's starting and uh, we've got Upstart Crow which uh, sees Dave, David Mitchell are back again uh, so wow. he's got two shows Is starting he? this week busy man uh, this is the six-part six sitcom about the life of William Shakespeare. First series of this was very funny. It's sort of Blackadder with Shakespeare as the lead character. Is it's basically how, it's how it is. Uh, it's uh, written by Ben Elton as well. Really good. If you like David Mitchell, or like those sort of comedies, uh, well worth watching. 11th of September on BBC Two at eight thirty for Upstart Crow. Outlander third season of that comes to Amazon Prime on the 11th of September, which I'm a bit behind on, but I need to catch up with. But that's a great series as well. Got a new show called Liar that's starring. Uh, Ewan Gruffith and John Froggart that's a new thriller sounds quite interesting that's uh, on the 11th of September at 9pm on ITV and then we've got Stella coming back for its sixth season on uh, Sky One on the 12th of September at 9pm and Murdering the First the third season of that coming to Fox UK on the 12th of September at 9pm as well which I know lots of people have been waiting for because we're way behind on the US for that mm-hmm. so uh, that's everything I think for this week unless you've got anything else you think we should add in <laughs> no I think you've got you've got quite a lot that's going on this week it seems like a busy week yes it's, especially it, with David Mitchell I mean he's yes, busy <laughs> yes David Mitchell very busy this week there is a lot of stuff coming back there is, there is going to be more and more stuff coming back over the the next few weeks you can tell we've hit September mm. and uh, you've hit September and are out of summer or heading out of summer that's everything for this week if you want to find the latest air dates during the week you can go to uh, geektown.co.uk find all the latest news and air date information if you want to get in touch with the questions and comments just email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk you can leave a message on the website post you can find us at geektown on twitter or on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown on an instagram at geektown uk 
That's everything. We shall see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.